Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays podcast. I'm Hari Arkli, tech editor at Forbes India. And in these podcasts, we'll bring you conversations with entrepreneurs who are finding opportunities in solving a variety of problems in multiple areas, from agriculture and satellite imagery to digital finance and cryptocurrencies. We'll also talk to investors from venture capital companies and other folks who are playing a significant role in India's maturing startup scene. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. Stay safe and happy listening. Our guests today are uh, Professor Satya Narayanan uh, Chakravarti. Uh, everyone calls him Satya, I think, from what I've seen. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Pranjal... Okay, right. And, and Pranjal Mehta, uh, they are co-founders of... Uh, e-plane company, which uh, has been started at the Indian Institute of Madras, uh, where uh, Satya is a professor. And uh, the two of them are uh, looking to build and build electric flying taxis for passengers and also uh, to carry cargo. And uh, they want to make it compact enough, uh, you know, for uh, even last mile delivery, if I understand that correctly. And they recently raised a million dollars in uh, funding. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Professor Satya Pranjal, uh, welcome to this show. Uh, fantastic to have you this morning. Um, so, so for starters, for those of us who are not very familiar with uh, ePlane Company, and I count myself among those, tell us a bit about uh, your work. How did you come to start this company? What is the problem you're looking to address? And uh, where are you at today? And, and please feel free to sort of jump in wherever. Yeah. In, in 2016, um, you know, October, I was uh, actually almost close to setting up this uh, more than $10 million facility for combustion RD and the uh, In fact, we had also started blocking further research funding uh, with industries and stuff. So, through about 2019, it's blocked about $30 million of research funding. So, in 2016, when I was about to finish setting this up, is when it dawned on me uh, that. Uh, our world is going electric, and uh, I'm an aerospace engineer, so is there a way by which I can actually do electric uh, in aerospace rather than uh, uh, the ground vehicles that anybody was working on? Mm. Uh, I started looking out, looking around, look at the uh, scene, uh, found the companies working on it, NASA doing significant research on it. So, like uh, all good professors, if you want to learn something, you actually teach it. That's <laughs> what I did. And uh, while, while I thought, I actually realized that there are drawbacks for some of these other companies' planes uh, and stuff. So there are way by which we can configure something that's very compact, uh, slow flying, uh, but still has wings and therefore can actually go long distance. So we have actually developed some uh, IP tech that will uh, enable this to happen. And so it's in some sense a very unique uh, thing. So the, the, the whole idea about electric planes is that Unlike electric cars, which have actually come down from being more expensive than the combustion cars, electric planes can actually be cheaper from than the combustion planes right from the word go. And because they can't go too far, we essentially position them as urban area mobility, uh, which is extremely priced into the market. They are trying to replace a taxi with a plane, right? So this is this, this is the overall product market fit. I have a a a, a, a cost disrupted product and also of course the tech, the tech disrupted product uh, and uh, we have a price sensitive market so that fits in very well and that's why I thought I would actually get into this. 
prior to this, I was also anyway, uh, you know, doing a lot of innovative stuff and other startups like Agnicol and Eros from those and so on. So I started picking up the entrepreneurship jargon and learned the lessons through that and stuff. Uh, haven't had a chance to, you know, offer a course on it. I think that may happen a little later. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, that's, that's how we actually kind of stepped into it. Pradil will probably tell you how we got together and yeah. That's yeah. That's, 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 that's. So. Uh, Professor has been teaching for 24 years. I am 24 years, so our stories are uh, slightly different in that, or largely different in that sense. But, but, uh, but our average uh, I grew up in Bangalore. So our average age was so fine for a professor. I grew up in Bangalore, and uh, the problem of traffic, like it, it's not something you've just heard of, you've experienced it, right? Whether it's traveling an hour and a half to school each way, or you know, your your sibling moving out of home because they work in Kaise Sajapur and you're living in Midtown Bangalore. So these are all problems we experience. So understanding that mobility in urban areas is a problem was something that was there, right? Uh, though I never knew what I would do about it uh, until much later. And entrepreneurship was also something that I aspired as I was growing up because the flip cards of the world were happening here in Bangalore when I was growing up. So it was always an aspiration. Uh, just got lucky in IIT Madras uh, where, where uh, professor was building electric planes and one of my seniors introduced uh, me to him. Uh, and uh, he told me he wants to build electric planes and he had already built this combustion center which is like the world's largest and uh, I just bought all of it, right? And we started we started working together. That's that's how it all began. And soon we realized that electric planes will not go too far, mm. uh, especially if you if you try to compare it with like a commercial plane like a Boeing or an Airbus. So uh, is that bad? And we realized no. The answer is uh, we just have to find new markets for it, right? And urban area mobility or people moving people within cities seem to be that market. So we started studying that market tried to do a helicopter taxi service in Bangalore, but soon realized the challenges with the vehicle itself, which is the helicopter, and how we can solve that with an electric plane. And uh, after wrapping that up, we've just been focused on building this electric plane for the, for the last few years. Hmm. So what is the attraction of an all-electric uh, aircraft uh, taxi for intra-city transport? Uh, give us a bit of history here, I mean, how long have scientists and engineers around the world been trying to build aircraft like this, electric aircraft like this? And uh, are there any that are already operational anywhere? Right. So the, the whole idea about electric is its simplicity in architecture. Uh -huh. Right. So uh, I mean, if I have to trivialize it, it's kind of like uh, you have batteries, you run wires, you have motors, you turn the switch, the motor turns. Runs and then it's connected to your propeller and you go forward. But you know that, that five second uh, you know description actually takes five years to get up, <laughs> up, up and flying. Definitely, right? so it's, it's not so simple, but but fundamentally that like you don't really need like a, a fuel tank and a fuel pump and fuel lines in addition to everything else uh, that you typically have in a combustion. And then the high temperatures, uh, the materials that have to be withstanding those high temperatures in a very you know rugged manner year on year, hour on hour, all of that stuff is not there, right? So this is the this is the basic thing. Now, history-wise, I think there is like a lot of uh, maybe maybe archaic history of people having tried these things in the 60s or something for like small things where they replaced their combustion engine with a electric motor and will fly a short distance and get a kick out of it. Uh, but it's not been commercially viable until this last decade. 
uh, where lithium ion is now uh, propelling cars and uh, people are now starting, starting to ask the question, hey, can I do the same thing with planes? Now, the biggest difference between the two uh, segments is uh, while the, I mean, if you now look at ground vehicles, there are the electric ground vehicles, like for example, I think a factory uh, 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 movement of goods uh, on the shop floor, like let's say these uh, golf carts and uh, on the tarmac of the airport, you no know, moving stuff. So these kinds of things have been around, right? And there, the resistance was not a big, big issue. You had like sufficient downtime possible for charging and so on. So people were actually pushing these things into markets that were kind of like low lying. It kind of took off when we found that the the, the battery was good enough uh, for uh, you know like some significant distance. And that's when what the, the, the electric car makers like Tesla and so on, what they started doing was to pack a lot of battery on the floor. And, and then try to pitch it at a position that is competitive in terms of its range in a single charge uh, when compared to a gasoline-powered uh, car with a full gas tank in a single uh, uh, refill, right? So until they actually got to the point where the range was competitive, uh, it was not really taking off. And still the price was high because you're actually making a lot of batteries and the batteries were In the case of aircraft, you can't do that. You can't simply pack like a lot of batteries into the into the plane because the plane won't take take off. It becomes too heavy. So you have to limit the amount of batteries that you will put in the uh, plane, and that continue that definitely immediately uh, decreases the range that the plane can fly. So just to give you an example, a four-seater Cessna has a range of about 1,600 kilometers, which it's hardly utilized for. Right. So it's an overkill. Nobody really knows. So you don't need the 1,600, but you will probably get about 200 kilometers kilometers range if you just replace the fuel fuel tank and the fuel and the uh, and the engine with batteries and motors right now the 200 kilometers on, on the other hand is like a bit too short that's that's that definitely gives a kind of range anxiety but the flip side is you get to put only so much battery so the planes cost that the and then uh, the architecture is simple and maintenance is easy electricity is uh, you know, cheaper uh, and, and a reliable price when compared to fuel fluctuation, fuel price fluctuation. All of that put together, if you are able to actually find a new market uh, which does not require this 200 kilometer kind of range, then you are good to go. And that's essentially the thesis about using electric vehicles, electric aerial vehicles for urban areas. This is the this is the combination of things that works together. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, what what uh, what Professor Satya said can be summarized in like a you can basically say it's a culmination of a few things, right? Which is technology and demand. So in terms of technology, battery motors are sort of matured way more than they used to be earlier because of the EV boom, right? Uh, and that enables this. And also in terms of demand, we really didn't have a traffic problem 20 years ago. Uh, today we have that problem and it's quite serious. So from both perspectives, it makes sense today. It didn't make sense 10 years ago. It will probably be too late 15, 20 years later. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, so tell us about uh, the work that you are doing. You are already testing a sub subscale version, and you are looking to come out with a, a actual a real commercial version as early as next year. And you are currently calling it E two hundred. Tell us about that uh, aircraft. Yeah, so the E two hundred is a, a two seater, um, and uh, we wanted to actually keep it a two seater because we wanted to also make it as compact as possible. Uh, uh, when we started out, I think the entire space was all about autonomous flying, but uh, uh, 
the, the space is now getting mature. Uh, people are actually looking, taking a hard look at it, particularly certification agencies are being looking at it. Uh, international certification agencies have uh, had a push, uh, have uh, uh, you know pushed push back on autonomous, and therefore a lot mm-hmm. of other companies will have had to kind of recalibrate uh, their seating to uh, allow for a pilot. We just said that we will we will go with uh, a single seat occupied by a pilot, another seat, uh, a single paid passenger seat would support itself available for travel. And then we actually look at uh, what's the market for it. We found that uh, it, it, on a busy day, uh, you know, with, with a lot of traffic on the road, uh, about 50, 56% of uh, Uber roller travel uh, travel is actually single passenger. Mm. Right. And if I if I, if I can. Uh, emphasize that it can be made extremely compact and door to door from your rooftop to the office rooftop and vice versa. Right, that single passenger ride uh, with with the kind of uh, price point that we are able to actually offer, which is of the order of Uber Ola prices. Right, so they're just like about one and a half times or two times, but a 10x reduction in uh, travel time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so it's a fairly significant um, uh, value proposition that we would have, and we think that. We will penetrate the market uh, with the people who can initially afford it and value their time progressively to become like aspirational, and uh, uh, and then it will actually penetrate further down to all those guys who are actually doing single passenger rides typically uh, first. And um, even if you actually have to have like two passengers, uh, they, they don't get separated for too far uh, in, in time because each trip is like about 10 minutes. You can actually get from place A to place B in about 10 minutes, right? So okay, if you're actually separated by 10 minutes, so you get to get them back. It's not as if like you have to be huddled in a car for about one and a half hours now you can do some business on road, right? So, uh, so this is the play of the kind of aircraft that we are talking about. So it has a long range of about kilometers. Uh, it flies fairly slowly. It's uh, which is which is important for making like short, uh, short hops, right? So like each trip will be typically in an urban setting about ten kilometers. So I can I should be able to actually make something of the order of about 10 15 trips before I need to have a downtime uh, charging, right? And, and then after I charge, I can again fly about another four five five hours, automating some something like about uh, three trips an hour, and so it's something like about 15 trips, uh, and then so on. So our our asset utilization on a per day basis, we will actually have this a single plane clocking something of the order of about 15 trips. Which no uh, uh, no ground taxi can dream on, right? And mm. that's the kind of uh, you know um, uh, scenario that's actually going to emerge with what we are what we are talking. And uh, I want to emphasize something he said though, which is uh, we are extremely focused on the calm. The reason for that is fairly simple. Uh, the entire idea of flying is so that you can get from point A to point B much faster than you are today, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you make a large plane, you need a large space to land it, which means that you cannot land it anywhere and everywhere. Maybe your home rooftop might not be large enough, right? And so you will have it, it's sort of going to become like a bus stop kind of service. You go to a point A, the plane picks you up, drops you off somewhere, and again you have to go to a point B from the landing destination, right? And that really kills the purpose of saving uh, time because. What was probably an hour before will now be 40 minutes now. It will not be 10 minutes. And that is where the idea is, what is the average space available around on the rooftop, maybe in the parking lot? And can we make a plane so compact that it can land there? Uh, and what is a one hour journey becomes five to 10 minutes and not more. So that is really the aspiration here. And the tech we have built is completely focused around that. Mm. So 
it's also going to be light enough to be able to land on the average concrete rooftop is yeah. it especially for uh, business business commuters you know from one one uh, large uh, corporate building to another for meetings and eventually yeah. when yeah. you know we've kind of grappled and put covid behind us uh, and these things pick up i guess it makes yeah. a lot of sense um, yeah so so that's really interesting so yeah initially we expect that uh, these will be the early adopters but the aspiration really here is to over time bring costs down so that everybody can aspire to take a ride mm. Mm. in in fact on your i think on your website you've made some comparisons with uber and so on so just give us a sense of uh, what what are an average ride on this plane might cost for passenger It's interesting to talk about Bangalore Airport because that is that is a large problem. I think a lot of our viewers would have experienced, right? Uh, so uh, what what today takes almost an hour and half uh, would take you about fifteen uh, minutes, and uh, from from city center, uh, and what costs you anywhere between thousand to thousand five hundred in an Ola or an Uber will cost you about one and a half to two times that. So that's two thousand to two thousand five hundred. It was is what you would be paying for saving about an hour, more than an hour. Also, being sure that you will not miss your flight, which itself is worth more than what we are charging. So you mentioned some of the technologies uh, that that you have developed for this. Uh, so let's get into that a little bit. Tell us, tell us about what technologies you had to invent. What did you have to innovate to make your plane so compact and light? Right. So it's it's good to have uh, uh, you know a, a co-founder. Uh, who is actually business minded and doesn't understand technology or refuses <laughs> to understand <laughs> right uh, so and, and, and it's, it's important to actually respect that first of all right so as a technologist uh, it, it, it's 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 one thing that you are getting intoxicated by new technology and want to push it to the market but customer is the king so you have to actually look at what the customer wants and then configure the technology around it Mm. So when we now decided that uh, we were actually looking at three things, right? So first, we want to have a long range uh, mm. high mileage, which means that we have to put wings, and the wings are the ones that will actually develop the aerodynamic lift uh, and balance the weight of the aircraft during forward flight. So we are not going to be continuously operating uh, rotors to balance the entire weight of the aircraft and guzzle power and cut the distance that we will go to uh, with the kind of batteries that we can take, right? So this is the first point. The second point is that the moment you have wings, it can't be too broad, uh, and typically you need to have some broad, some level of breadth of the wings, uh, so that you know as the air uh, as those 
uh, it does not generate that aerodynamic lift to balance the weight of the aircraft. So it requires certain speed. Okay. So uh, whereas we want to actually cut down the width of the uh, wing significantly, and which essentially means that we have to go very very fast. But going very fast was actually a big no-no because by the time you can now pitch like something like 300 kilometers per hour kind of speeds, right? By the time you uh, you know take off, accelerate to that speed, and then decelerate back to your landing, you would have had to cover a minimum distance, which means the short distances of the of the rope for 10 kilometers and stuff is a bit uh, you know difficult, right? Which means you'll be traveling very very ineffectively with, with such short distances. But typically that is actually the crux of the matter. The number of trips that are blocked at the distance now, let's say when you block that or something, you will find that the large number of urban trips where they are actually getting stuck in traffic is of the order of about 10 to 30 kilometers. Right? And and uh, if you have to actually go outside, all you have to do is to get on the highway or uh, or take a train or whatever it is, right? So uh, that's not a big deal. And if it's like any shorter than that, you might as well walk or take an auto rickshaw or and, and so on, right? And then go through the alleys and and stuff. So this is the, the mid-mile segment is actually where the problem in terms of traffic bottlenecks and for which you have to travel very slowly and that is like typically like a helicopter kind of speed if you have like only rotors of something. So this is actually an aerospace challenge. You are talking about now having very compact wings and you have to fly slowly and be able to uh, you know, generate the lift that is required to balance the weight of the aircraft. So what we asked are, are like some very fundamental questions. Hey, what is this vertical rotor doing when uh, you know after it's taking off? Is it is it like idle? Now obviously I can kind of allow it to sort of part time in saying okay I'll generate some lift and therefore uh, you know I'll I'll uh, uh, reduce the wing size. But that's a no brainer. I'm I'm still guzzling power, right? So I, that means it's going to decrease my range. So is that some smart way of doing it? The answer is yes. So we have actually figured out some science by which uh, this will help the wings generate a lot of it, right? And that's something that I can't really talk about. And even if I did, I think you probably will not want to understand. Um, I, I'm afraid. I mean, not 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 within the duration that we have. I'm willing to explain, but you know, it will take a longer time, <laughs> right? So that's that's why we have. So we have actually cracked some IP that that specifically allows us to do what we're doing. That's the reason why you will not find other guys who are who are also doing because. The need is obvious that you need to have this compact one, slow and long range, all of that. But uh, people would say it's not possible. But we have, we have just, you know, found some. We have, we have uncovered or discovered some science that that has been implemented in the technology. So this is a new invention in that. Hmm. And what are some of the other uh, features and innovations, maybe in terms of the materials that you use, using the the battery form factors and things like that? Not not a big deal. Uh, we are wanting to crack like one thing at a time. Uh, so because we have the specific aero tech that we want to uh, you know push and get the use case going, uh, the best batteries in the market, uh, the international market of the order of about 230 watt uh, not really the best again, but somewhere near the best. Because if you want like anything more than that, uh, it will become more expensive. Mm. Right. So if you like to look at an optimal price point. Uh, Something of the order for about 230 watt kg kind of batteries are good. I mean, they are still on the higher side, but they are they are they are like significantly sufficient for what we are doing. So we are not really trying to push on anything like uh, 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 no materials and stuff because cost is like a huge, right? The science and the tech that I talked about doesn't really cost too much. Uh, that's very important. 
to fly these planes do you need i, I would imagine you need certified pilots and uh, this yes. should be uh, so uh, we, we we expect that uh, this will actually propel the demand for a lot of uh, pilot training uh, and uh, so the way it works with any plane is that uh, if you have like a cpf the commercial pilot license you still need to, and if you want to actually fly a particular plane uh, uh, you know in a on a commercial basis further right so you need to actually get go through certain uh hours of training on that particular plane and that would start with the simulator so we'll actually make a simulator and get people to uh, you know get trained on on ground and then further on uh, we will actually get them some training uh, for for the hours that are required on the plane and then they are good to go so it's not it's not so difficult uh, to to get this going yeah hmm and what are the other uh, certifications that you will need in india and overseas eventually uh india and overseas is pretty much the same i mean we are following pretty much the same norms anywhere as anywhere else hmm. um so the, the the plane has to be certified as flight for me and uh, so they go through some fairly rigorous set of steps over about 2 to 3 years or so uh, to get that done and that's that's actually going to be like the interim interregnum or the inter interim period after our first flight to when we get commercial operations when uh, we will we will progressively you know uh, put a lot of effort in getting that going all the documentation required to show uh, standardization and uh, you know following uh, all the certification norms and so on and then we will then uh, also uh, look at how to start manufacturing these at scale like let's say the first 100 aircraft uh, or the few hundred aircrafts and then and so on uh, in the in the later part of the period so that well, as soon as we get the certification we should actually be able to push this into the market Mm. That's mm. a plan. Mm. And and roughly, what is your uh, timeline? I mean, cargo plane next year. When do you uh, roughly expect to have uh, a passenger flight? Right. So, uh, cargo plane. Uh, we expect that the certification for that actually will not take like too long. Uh, so, after we start, uh, you know, our first flights within about a year, we can actually get the cargo thing going. But as I said, the uh, certification, uh, the average certification period for this class of vehicles is of the order of about two to three years, two to two and a half, let's say. So I'll, I'll actually pitch it as two and a half. So I would think that sometime in this, in the, the later part of 2024 or early 2025 is when we can expect uh, this to take a slice for commercial. Hmm. 
And uh, what, what is the business model uh, for this uh, aircraft? I mean, you will basically sell it uh, as a product or are there other lines of revenues as well? Sales is on sale is a traditionally known model. Uh, there are no surprises there. Uh, but more increasingly, businesses have been businesses have been looking for recurring revenues. And the model where you see the printer today, HP makes more money of you from the cartridge than the printer. In the yeah. Market. So uh, the, the recurring revenue business models have even become commonplace in hardware spaces. So we're also looking at similar models where there is a hardware you sell, and then the software and the access to all of that is going because flying it's, it's not manual flying anymore you you always have assistive systems you need to stay connected to the internet there are permissions so access to all of that would obviously be a subscription so it's a one-time fee plus subscription model where where we're having that thing so uh, in sales that would that would that's how uh, you would hmm. and do you have have you had any early discussions with potential customers uh, where are you finding them uh, yes. So, uh, interestingly, uh, this, this is not something which is which is new to people. Uh, all over the world, there are similar flying taxis. Few here, but uh, uh, we are happy to be sort of uh, the early ones here. Right? And uh, typically, what we are seeing is current helicopter taxi providers mm. uh, who are already flying charter services and are doing so uh, in whatever routes. If some people are flying Bombay Shirdi today, Bombay Pune, and so on and so forth. They are looking to uh, sort of enhance their fleet by buying these machines, which are cheaper on both capex and opex, right? Uh, and similarly, airlines that are now looking to get into this new class of business, because traditionally they've made their money on aviation and they've seen how it can get disrupted with something like a COVID. So they're they're looking at new new businesses that they can sort of get into. And the in some sense, this is last mile of flying. Right? Like if I if I come to an airport from a from a plane. Uh, through a plane that this is really the last mile of flying dropping someone from airport to the home so we mm. are looking to get into this and they are very interested in 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 buying these sort of things and uh, so these are sort of the two business customers and then obviously there is a lot of interest from hnis and sort of people who today buy luxury cars and this, this sort of becomes the new gadget in town right this is cool this is fast you can fly uh, so this sort of becomes a new gadget and and uh, yeah. where 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 do you expect to manufacture your plane? Yeah. Oh, currently we're doing it by ourselves uh, at a small scale, and uh, that is okay as long as we're doing uh, one one or two planes every one or two months. That that we can handle no problem. Uh, as we scale, uh, we will make a decision of either partnering with a larger uh, organization that can manufacture, or if we are able to uh, get that, you can say, uh, ability or capability in-house, then we would do that by ourselves. That is a problem for a later date. But as of now, we are able to manufacture these by ourselves at a very small scale. Hmm. And what are the next big plans uh, at ePlane? Uh, I mean, I know that, of course, you're focused now on, you know, getting the E200 off the ground, uh, but I'm sure you're already, you're already thinking about what beyond the E200. Can you talk about that? We will have actually scope the market. You know, I, I, want, to, uh, I want to be very sure that what we're doing uh, 
makes sense rather than just saying that this is what we want to do. I mean, we, we are not we're supposed to, you know, follow, follow that and stuff, right? So, so, so as, as I said, you know, about 60%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me finish. So, yeah. Uh, of course, as you said, the next big thing in every day we pick up, we just think about that is how do we get the C two hundred up and flying, and that is that is like the next big thing we we really need to do. But beyond that, uh, the technology that we have is very interesting. It, it's not that it only works at the two seater level. It, you can scale it, and, and we expect to uh, scale it all the way up to five to seven seaters without any problems. So the natural step would be after doing a two seater. To learn from the data that we are getting from the market on what are the trips, what is the customer demand, are they asking, do they want to fly together? If so, how many want to fly together? What is the economics? So once we learn better from the market, we would then configure a three, four, five, I don't know, six seater based on what we learn uh, from from the market. But if we if we just have to use what other people are doing, then people are sort of traditionally building five seaters and. Let's say uh, if I have to just say what I might do, then probably a five seater. But we would really love to learn from them. So, so there are there are some uh, yeah. questions from our audience. Uh, let me just quickly do a check. Uh, so here here's a so uh, I think question on many people's mind. This is from Abhinandan underscore Meta. How much time does it take to get it fully charged? So uh, the full charge would would be about less than an hour. And uh, as we have seen in current technology. What we do is we never try to do a full charge. We do what is called a twenty to eighty percent charge. Right? Okay. Uh, that damages the battery less, and you can also do it much faster. You see it on on a lot of mobile phones these days, and also in cars. So mm. the twenty to eighty percent might even take as low as thirty minutes or so. But yeah, mm. a full charge would, would take about an hour. And so, that is where Professor Satya was mentioning that the the reason to sort of have a plane which can do ten to fifteen trips is exactly that. If I need to stop for an hour after every two trips or after every half an hour, one hour, that's not really feasible. But after four or five hours of flying, we can we can take a break of about an hour, which is okay. So next question uh, from uh, Mr. Kiran underscore Kidi, I guess. Uh, so how how do you find investors for your startups? And if I could add my question to that as well, uh, you recently raised a million dollars in funding. Uh, is it difficult for hard uh, technological? Uh, ventures, especially with sophisticated hardware uh, ventures, is difficult to find funding. Sure, uh, I can think. Okay, so uh, yes, uh, it, it is true. Uh, it is harder to get get access to capital for building ventures that have got more risk because there is you're innovating so much. There is just so much risk. Right? So many things can go wrong. So investors tend to prefer it less and. Uh, even as a deep tech, uh, we call this deep tech, right? So the deep tech investing ecosystem in India is just tough. And it, 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 there is a reason for it. Traditionally, you had all the software companies in the US, investors made a lot of money, and now they can make larger bets, right? And we are just entering that stage in India where we've already seen a lot of success with consumer companies like Flipkart and Ola's and all. So investors have sort of learned that script 
understood the ecosystem and now they are beginning to take that risk of hey we can also do deep tech so it's a very very exciting time in that sense right maybe 5 years ago this probably would have not been possible in india right but as of today uh, sure it is not at the same parity as software startups where it could be in access to capital but it is definitely possible today although i i, I would be with you it is it is definitely hard yeah okay uh, one last question uh, from mr sarthak uh, underscore arun what are the safety protocols for making sure the travel is safe and sound yeah so uh, one is uh, you you just first think about the design of the aircraft right a helicopter traditionally has a single plane and one engine or two engines so the point of failure is really concentrated if the plane goes bad it's it made it right and we've already seen such disasters happening recurrently over the years now in an electric design you have a very distributed approach when instead of one Uh, you have many many small motors and rotors which are connected to the battery and even the battery you would sort of centralize you have three different uh, three different the bigger batteries divided into parts and spread all across the thing so there is just a lot of redundancy if any one part breaks down the others can very easily manage something that we had not seen earlier right uh, so this is this is one of the interesting design aspects that make it uh, you can say uh, far safer than what used to be now and apart from that uh, flying has always already been very safe compared to even road travel because uh, it's just the regulations that there are so from an operating perspective we follow all those regulations already and the regulators are quite serious and strict about it so flying conventionally has been safer because of that and we would not expect it to be any less for us uh, or or this flying app. okay excellent I, we've kind of come to the end of the time that we have uh, Professor Satya Pranjal, uh, it was fantastic to have you this morning. Talk about your uh, e-plane uh, and your plans ahead. Uh, we hope to keep the conversation going. Hey, thank you so much, Ali, for giving us this opportunity. And uh, I'm supposed to be the salesman in our company. So if, if any of you are listening and want to work towards building this uh, excellent future for mobility out of India, do write to us. Uh, we, we always have uh, openings for smart and uh, you know passionate people. So, so you can check them out at uh, eplane.ai. Is that correct? Yes, then that's right. Yeah. Okay, excellent, brilliant. Thank you again. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That was Professor Satya and Pranjal uh, uh, from Eplane Company. Uh, that's it for this this briefing of Startup Fridays. Uh, Next week, I'll be back to bring you another conversation and this time with a, an investor in uh, deep tech ventures. Uh, until then, wherever you are, uh, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arkli. Have a good weekend ahead.